It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast for 2023, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and wherever you get your podcast from. Well, it's a Thursday, it is March the 23rd, suddenly the week is nearly gone and certainly getting closer to April and another possible rate rise. Some, of course, are suggesting that the RBA might cool things next month. Time, of course, is going to give us the definitive answer on that. And coming up this morning, we are going to be talking with Eliza Owen, who is the Head of Residential Research Australia for CoreLogic. And we're going to be looking at APRA numbers and stats and what they reveal about the lending approach of banks. And good morning, Eliza. Welcome back to the Real Estate Breakfast this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And as mentioned, April is nearing. What do you think is going to happen? Here's the chance for you to call it for next month's possible rate rise. Well, interestingly, the latest statement from the RBA around the March policy decision did introduce a bit of new language, which suggests they've taken a little more of a dovish tone. They note in assessing when and how much further interest rates need to rise, there is possibility for a pause in April. You know, I tend to think given there's so much more left to tame in inflation, we can probably expect the cash rate to go at another 25 basis points, whether that's in April or a little bit later this year. All right. So that is uh, Eliza. We'll come back to her in just a moment. We talk to some of the most influential figures in the real estate industry, from leading commentators to investors to real estate principals, only on The Real Estate Podcast. Whether you're a seasoned investor or a first-time buyer, Know your property with us on The Real Estate Podcast. Well, according to Demographia's International Housing Affordability Study, Melbourne's median house price, wait for it, drumroll, is the eighth most unaffordable in the world when compared to the median household income. And in September's quarter, Melbourne's typical house price was 9.9 times higher than the median household income which is actually down from 12.1 times higher in the previous year, placing Melbourne at fifth least affordable city in the world. So if you've been thinking to yourself, gee, houses are expensive in Melbourne, this is why. And Melbourne is more expensive than New York, Singapore, Greater London, Dublin, Miami and Las Vegas. I mean, it does surprise you, doesn't it, that Melbourne is more expensive than New York. And if you're wondering what is happening with Sydney, well, Sydney had the world's second least affordable median house price at 13.3 times higher than standard household incomes. And the number one position, the gong, goes to Hong Kong. It is the most unaffordable city in the world, followed by Vancouver,
Silver, Honolulu and San Jose. So some pretty interesting and stark, scary statistics on your Thursday morning. Now, if you're celebrating your birthday, let's check on that for today, the 23rd of March. Happy birthday if you are celebrating and blowing out the candles. You are doing that with a couple of actors, Kerry Russell. She's turning 47, as is Michelle Monaghan. Shaka Khan, you might remember her, the American singer from back in the day. She's turning 70. And Princess Eugenie of York, she's turning 33 today. It's the main centre forecast. And around the country, let's check on your weather word. First, we go to Sydney and expecting a chance of some showers today with 28. Melbourne, partly cloudy, but it should be pretty much dry all day with 24. Brisbane, expecting sunshine with bits of cloud cover. 29 is your forecast high. And in Perth, the blue stuff, sunny skies. And your top temperature today of 29 degrees. What to buy, where to live and things to avoid every morning on the Real Estate Podcast. And we are back with Eliza Owen, the Head of Residential Research Australia for CoreLogic. We're looking at APRA numbers and stats and what they reveal about the lending approach of banks. Now, Eliza, how have the debt-to-income ratio and loan-to-income ratios changed in the December quarter of 2022 compared to a year earlier? So this data generally shows a more conservative lending environment through to the end of 2022 as interest rates have gone up, borrowing capacity has gone down and some of those marginal borrowers who may have been able to get into the housing market are a bit more dissuaded at the moment. So that's reflected in a lower portion of loan to income ratios of six or more. That fell to 4.5% of new loan origination in the December quarter, uh, more than half of what we saw in the December quarter of 2021 when it was 11%. Importantly, the overall debt to income ratio of six or more only made up 11% of mortgage originations in the December quarter. And that was down from a high of 24%. So nearly a quarter of mortgage originations were going out at this really high overall debt to income level at the end of 2021. That was becoming a bit of concern for APRA. And so between higher interest rates and also individual strategies with certain lenders, they've really been able to curb that potentially risky type of mortgage lending. Yeah, those scary risky numbers. And what does the APRA report reveal about the volume of housing loans that are non-performing and how has that changed in the December quarter of 2022? So non-performing loans or those that are 90 days past due on their payments have really continued to hang around record lows. Of the outstanding mortgages in the December quarter, only 0.6% of loans overall were non-performing, which you know speaks to, I guess, the strength in serviceability that households have seen against rate rises up to the end of 2022. 
And is the slight uptick in loans past due a cause for concern and what does it indicate about households' ability to keep up with the all-important mortgage repayments amid these rising rates and cost of living expenses which are not going backwards, only forward at this time? This is a really good point because there is a subsect of the data which is measuring loans that are 30 to 89 days past due. So this is kind of the stage of before non-performing, if you like. That did show a slight uptick in the September to December quarter from 0.3% of all outstanding mortgages to 0.4%. So overall, your loans with late payments have ticked slightly higher to just over 1%. At this stage, it doesn't seem like it would be a broad cause for concern for the, I guess, greater picture of financial stability, but it could be a signal that amid rising rates, some households have started to feel the pain and falling behind on their mortgage payments. That is compounded by things like a potentially looser labour market and further interest rate rises, which we're expecting over 2023. Ultimately, this data is quite lagged to the end of last year. So it's not fully telling of of household scenarios just yet. But overall, I mean, we do expect that on the whole, people will be able to continue servicing their mortgages. It's just those people at the margins who maybe borrowed too much or, you know, their income growth or employment status hasn't really held that would be seeing more of a difficult time over the course of the year. Yes, and just picking up on that point, you're talking about the labour market conditions and interest rate increases. What is the expected trend, do you think, in the portion of these loans which you talk about with late payments in the coming quarters? How do you think that that might play out? I think it'll probably put a higher portion of people behind on their mortgage payments. We know that the unemployment rate, which is currently at 3.5%, uh, is expected to peak at around 4.5% um, by 2024. So that is really where there's more concern around mortgage serviceability. The potential for falling behind on a mortgage also increases where there's a lagged effect between rising interest rates and inflation being tamed. So people will still have a a high cost of living, which uh, means that they can dedicate less to mortgage repayment buffers and and things like that as well. The good news or or the reason we still think that broadly people will be able to service their mortgages is that even with an unemployment rate expected to peak at 4.5%, that's still well below the previous decade average, which is 5.5%. So even as we go through the adjustment period, we're going to come out the other end with the labour market that is relatively tight. Just picking up on that point about households, how do households typically respond to those rising interest rates and what does this suggest about the stability of Australia's mortgage market in the face of these ongoing rate rises? With mortgages specifically, we basically see pretty high levels of payments still going towards 
housing on average, but the composition of those payments change. So what we'll probably see in the coming quarters is less spending going towards, for example, offset and redraw facilities and more housing payments going towards interest costs. As of the December quarter, we still saw about 17% of housing loan repayments going to these offset and redraw facilities. So that suggests that Australians have a pretty good uh, savings buffer and a pretty good uh, serviceability buffer as we come to the peak of the rate hiking cycle, uh, which will probably be around mid to late 2023. Yay, the peak, the peak. That's what we want to hear (laughs) next year. People will be breaking out the champagne. All right, thanks again, once again, (laughs) Eliza, for coming on to the Real Estate Podcast. Enjoy your Thursday. Thank you, you too. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. Thank you.